Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. As we begin our worship today, it is with a hymn that for some of us will have both a history and a hope to it. If you grew up in vacation Bible school like I did, oftentimes when you marched in carrying flags and Bibles and offering plate as children, you sang this hymn, God of Our Fathers. And it always starts with that trumpet uh, a volunteer beginning, bum, 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 and it almost makes me want to carry in the Christian flag and pledge allegiance when I hear that. Jeff will be playing that on the first stanza, but will not be playing that for the second, third, and fourth stanza. And so as we remember our histories, let us also give thanks for the hope we have in God, and let's stand together and sing. morning. Please join me in the litany of confession and invitation. All are welcome in this sacred space, believers and scoffers, faithful and faithless.
God hears our prayers, even when we do not speak them. Let us seek wisdom and knowledge. Let us seek discernment and awareness. We desire to be open-minded to the ongoing revelation of God. We confess our narrow-mindedness when we often are anxious and afraid. Sisters and brothers, God meets us where we are, in our choices and in our losses. God has forgiven us. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. And again, welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist. During our time in the summer, we meet over here in the chapel, uh, the original sanctuary of the church built in 1954. It gives us a sense of uh, intimacy. It gives us a sense of robust singing. And so welcome to this original space of Northside Drive. We're especially glad uh, for those of you who are guests who are visiting with us today. Uh, we welcome you. Some of our people are already traveling, you know, on the holiday weekend. Uh, often it's a, a slimmer group. And when the uh, holiday falls in the, exactly the center of the week, Northside drivers take off both weekends, before and after. So, glad that you're here. Glad you share this uh, time of worship. There is, on the edge of your order of worship, a welcome card. And if you're a guest, if you'd complete that and drop it in the plate, it'll help me connect name and face uh, with you. Also, it's an honor for our staff and deacons to pray for you by name and by need each week. And so if you would like to be prayed for, place that prayer request on the card and drop that in the offering plate uh, when it comes by. Well, the scriptures today uh, deal with the notions of gratitude and surprise. I'll tell you why in a little bit, but with the surprise of how God shows up in our lives in healing ways and helpful ways and in the lives of the people told about in the Bible. In fact, the scripture that you're about to hear in a moment is about a healing, and the people were surprised at the healing that had come about. In uh, a few moments after the prayer, we're going to sing another hymn. It's about God of all creation, all-powerful. Just watch for the lyrics, like the first stanza, God of creation, all-powerful, all-wise, Lord of the universe, rich with surprise. So as we open our hearts to the delight and surprise of God, we also open our ears to hear from the book. Welcome. 
a healing at the beautiful gate of the temple provokes surprise. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and he said, Look at us. Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. So Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with surprise at what had happened to him. Here ends the first lesson. I've called on Reverend Clay Manley to lead us in prayer. Clay has been pastor of Baptist churches, disciples of Christ churches, and he's a member of our church now. He's going to be leading us in prayer, and also the Kyrie eleison, the Lord have mercy, will be shared by Keith Walker. Let us pray. Lord God, winter is a distant memory and the flowers of spring long gone. Humidity and heat and thunder and lightning. Even the summer is drifting away and we are not saved. Lord God, we are not saved, not saved from short-sighted ignorance, not saved from power-hungry politicians, not saved from those who put money before morality and self before everything else. Lord, have mercy upon us. Kyrie eleison, have mercy on us. We are not saved 
from the physical and mental anguish in which our human frailty is heir. So, some of us are sick. Some of us are angry. Some are desperate. Some out of work. Some frustrated with work. And some would give all that they have and are to avoid one more lonely night. In all these souls with their manifold needs, in all these bodies with their physical ills, in this congregation with all its needs and its dreams, Christ have mercy upon us. Christi eleison, Christ have mercy. seasons fly by. The sea of life is so large and our ship is so small. It is a billion miles to the nearest star. A billion people are hungry. A billion people are oppressed and a billion more oppressing. A billion sins unacknowledged, a billion sins unconfessed. Lord, have mercy upon us. Kyrie eleison, have mercy upon us. blessing of courage. Grant us the blessing of hope. Grant us the blessing of peace. Fill us with the strength of silence. Fill us with the power of praise. We wait for the leadership of thy spirit. And our prayer is made in the name of him whom to know is life eternal, even Jesus the Christ, who taught us when we say to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
home. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his Son, is my witness that without ceasing I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that I often intend to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as I have among the rest of the Gentiles, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Hence, my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith, as it is written. The one who is righteous will live by faith. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. that you're all here. It's so nice to see you today. How many of you have ever been in a really big crowd? Where were you, Pastor Daniel? Okay, yeah, that's a big crowd. Yeah, where? Yeah, like a Braves game? That's a lot of people. Who else? Is, yeah. A Kurt Thomas Yes, yes, that's right. I was actually going to say that I, at a concert that I had been to, there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. That's a lot of people. So when you're in a large crowd like that, what do you feel like? What was it like for you? Was it maybe loud, really loud? Lots of cheering, yeah? Fireworks, maybe there were fireworks like at a, at a Braves game or maybe your dad's concert, yeah? Well, sometimes I know that when I'm in a large crowd, I kind of feel overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed in a big crowd? Maybe like it's just, it's so loud and it's just a little too much. After I leave, I usually need some time alone. I need to just have some silence. That's how I feel sometimes. 
There's a story in the Bible about a time when Jesus was in a really, really large crowd. A lot of times Jesus was followed by a big crowd. But this particular story is about a woman who was following Jesus, and she was in the crowd. She was in the midst of the crowd. And Jesus was on his way to heal a young girl who was dying. But this woman, who was in the crowd, was also sick. She had been sick for a long time, and she had heard about Jesus healing people. And so she was following him and believed that he could actually do that. And she wanted to get better, too. She wanted to be healed. So she followed Jesus, and then, do you know what she did? She got really close to him and touched his clothes. And as soon as she touched his clothes, she was healed. She was no longer sick. And Jesus turned around because he could tell that something had just happened, something amazing had just happened. And he looked at her and he said, you have been healed because you have believed in me. Isn't that wonderful? So this week, I want us to think about what our belief in God can do for us. Maybe God can change our lives because we believe in God so very much. We can trust in God to take care of us and keep us healthy and be with us everywhere we go. Okay? Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for loving us so very well. Thank you for taking care of us, and thank you for allowing us to believe in you. In your name we pray. Amen.
surprised by wonder, Zachariah's relatives witness the power of God. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zachariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, Well, none of your relatives have this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And all of them were surprised. Immediately, Zachariah's mouth was opened, and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. The sermon series this summer has been in parallel with the morning lectures that have been a part of the Sunday School Hour in the Fellowship Hall. We've taken on the doctrines of the church, and so for some of you who know the tradition, we blend the, uh, the Didache, which we hear down in Fellowship Hall, with the Kerygma, which you hear from the pulpit. We've taken on uh, doctrines like atonement, salvation, ecclesiology, such as that. And then this morning we had Jim Mahaffey, <laughs> which is his own category. And uh, all that he gave us was that uh, the topic was going to be, well, a surprise. And uh, as you see there in the order of service insert that it lists the topics, uh, I think someone actually asked, is surprise a Christian doctrine? I got to thinking about that, and I don't think it is, but I think it should be. What would it be like if we articulated a theology of surprise? Well, if we start with the Bible, it seems like the Bible is mostly surprises, right? On every page, there's something new and unexpected, like I'd not seen it this way until I was looking this week when Joseph invites all of his brothers to Egypt, but he's masquerading so that they don't know it's Joseph, right before the big reveal, he lines them up by birth order, it says, oldest to youngest, and then tells them, I am your brother Joseph. And the text says, so that it might be a big surprise. Now I can just imagine all of them looking up to the older brother beside them, and they were all surprised seems like every birth in the Bible has an element of surprise, like with Abraham and Sarah, or like with old Zechariah and Elizabeth. Here they are about to check into the nursing home. They have the intake medical exam, 
they're asking for a referral for a gerontologist, and the doc says, oh no, you'll need an obstetrician. Ready or not, believe it or not, a surprise has come to visit. Eugene Peterson translated the Bible and called it the message. Some of you have this translation. It's real popular these days. He has a particular favorite translation for the word thumazo. Most translators translate it and they were astonished or they were marveled or it was a wonder. But Eugene Peterson, in most of the translated texts that have that word, prefers the word surprise. In fact, what Liz just read in uh, the message translation, it has Zechariah coming out of the temple, writing on the tablet, his name will be John. And, John, and Peterson says, that took everyone by surprise. And then he says, and surprise followed surprise, for out of Zechariah's mouth, his tongue was loosed, and he began talking and praising God. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The gospel according to Gomer Pyle. That's dated, I know, for some of you. Uh, that, that was probably during your silent years, uh, Daniel. Uh, in Luke, Luke loved this word, thumazo, the surprise word. As the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over the flock, and they end up going to see Mary and Joseph and Jesus and then tell them everything that they had seen and heard. The shepherds go back, Mary and Joseph look at each other, and they say, we are surprised at what we've heard from the shepherds. Or Jesus' first sermon in Luke chapter 4, preaching to a hometown crowd. He reads from Isaiah. The people turn to each other and they say, is this not Joseph's son? We are surprised. And it was right after that that he then took on a topic and started preaching rather than just reading. He took on the topic of immigration. He mentions that God did not live within the borders of Israel and out of compassion crosses the border to, uh, with Elijah, with the widow who was in Sidon, non-Jewish. Then Elisha, his protege, crosses into Syria, heals Naaman, one of the military commanders of Syria, and the people went from a surprise. This isn't, isn't Jesus going to make a good preacher to Jesus? We've got to throw him off the cliff and kill him. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The whole ministry of Jesus is about surprise, surprising parables with subversive endings and the twist and the turn that, that here's one that worked an hour for the day, here are those that have worked eight hours for the day, and the one and the many get the same amount of money. Is that, not, is that fair? My goodness, what a surprise. But I guess the biggest of all, all the truths of the... New Testament are tied to the surprise of Easter. In a way, you could say that that was the epicenter of all Christian doctrine. And so, however you want to say it, Easter is the genesis of a theology of surprise. Not all surprises feel good, do they? Especially uh, for some of us who 
have been given surprise birthday parties. All you have to do is watch a little of America's Funniest Home Videos, and you'll see what happens when a surprise party goes bad. It's kind of like the pinata of celebrations, I guess. You know, give a kid a blindfold and a bat, and what could possibly go wrong? But this thing about not-so-good surprises is not, is not so comical. Some of you know this up close. You're parked at a stop sign, minding your own business, and then a wreck happens and changes the trajectory of your family. Or you're at home and next, a next-door neighbor comes over crying and said he was just sitting there at the breakfast table and, and then suddenly, and, and then we called 9-11 and, and then they just called from the hospital and nothing's ever going to be the same again. Not all surprises are good, are they? I uh, find it interesting that some of our national leaders say like, well, there's going to be a big change coming to your insurance, and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a surprise. I've never heard the word surprise and insurance going so well for me. There are good surprises and there are bad surprises. If I had to put the things together to say, here is my theology of surprise, I would say these things. One thing I would say is, I believe God is a God of surprises because, per the Bible, it looks like that even God can be surprised. I know that may rattle some of your omniscient theology about God. You'll have to figure that out. Invite me over and we'll have some pound cake and a cup of coffee and talk about it. But there are many times in the Old Testament where that verb of God repented is there. And God changed God's mind. It's like with the flood. God says, I'm never going to do that again. God evidently is learning, as are we. I think there's something to be said for process theology that God is also learning. God is a God of surprises because God can be surprised. Something else of my theology of surprise. God is at work, working all things together for good. Don't you love that verse? Romans 8:28. It's one of our favorites. Another time, Paul said, This is my life's work, and it has come as sheer gift to me, a real surprise, and God handles all the details. That's from letter to the Ephesians. God is at work in our lives, crafting all things together for good. And here's another reason. I believe in a theology of surprise because I believe that gratitude, gratitude maximizes the good in surprises. The Apostle Paul spoke of his gratitude. You heard Aunt Jane read it a few moments ago. I am thankful for all of you, says Paul, to all sorts of people I am indebted because my life has been enriched by you. For you, I am grateful. I haven't been able to get out of my head this week uh, a gospel song. It's that uh, gospel song of count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will... Let's see, what's that next word? Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You know, that was written by a Yankee. 
<laughs> believe it or not. His, his name was Oatman. He was born in New Jersey. But he died in 1922, and I'm looking at Larry and Sue McSwain. He died in Norman, Oklahoma. Can you believe that? Probably of a heat stroke, I bet. May have moved from Louisiana there. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The lyricist linked surprise with gratitude. As I begin to close a sermon, I want to do the same. I kind of made a, what I would call a Eucharistic laundry list. That word Eucharist means thanksgiving, grace. And so as I mention some of the things that I am both surprised and thankful for, maybe you would like to add to it in your own life. I'm surprised and thankful for a better relationship with my daughter, our daughter. I think one difference is that a granddaughter can make a lot of difference. And my granddaughter and daughter and son-in-law are coming to visit with us this week. I'm surprised and thankful for that. Surprised and thankful for the growth opportunity that you have shared with me to allow me to be your pastor these many years. The remarkable thing is that each year has been so different for me. For me. I've said the 20th was different than the 19th was different than the 18th, was different than the 17th, that it's something about the laboratory of adventure that you allow helps me keep growing in God and in love with you. Another thing, surprised and thankful, is that God had put an A-team in place a few weeks ago when the storm blew and the wind came through and the spire fell and impaled the roof for those of you who are visitors, our steeple fell off three weeks ago in the storm and stuck like a thorn under the roof and above the ceiling. This A-team of members came together that had all these connections from cranes to drains, from contracts to contacts. I'm surprised and thankful. Surprised and thankful that we as a church, God is doing a remarkable thing with us, what I call bumblebee Baptists. You know, uh, I hear that aerodynamically a bumblebee isn't supposed to be able to fly. The wing and body ratio is all wrong. It's amazing that a Baptist church in Buckhead, we are not in Decatur if you haven't noticed, that a Baptist church in Buckhead can be kind of progressive and inclusive within our place and time, though this isn't the 60s or 70s or 80s or even 90s even more. I'm surprised and thankful to have found a spiritual synergy that we who worship in the richest county in Georgia have discovered that we need something and get something from the poorest county in Georgia, Tolliver County, and that by going and being with them, they let us work out our own salvation. Thanks be to them. I am surprised and thankful for the staff that we have, my colleagues, from musicians to ministers, from managers to ministry leaders to maintenance and custodians that help 
keep this aging building together. I'm surprised and thankful that when we come on the first Sunday of the month, we always gather at this table. Um, one of the traditions calls this table an altar. Baptists don't actually use that name for a piece of furniture. Uh, it's a communion table. It's a Lord's Supper table. Other traditions call it a Eucharist. I guess we do as Baptists have an altar, but you're sitting in it. The real altar, A-L-T-A-R, of where our lives are, A-L-T-E-R-E-D, altered, are being in the presence of God and with one another in the pews in which we have gathered. That is a surprise and thankful peace that we have that the miracle of being a part of a congregation helps us be healed. Now, wouldn't it be surprised if each of us left today surprised and thankful somewhere between the bread and the cup, nourished by the love and the grace of God? Whenever the food is served from this table, it's always served with a story that starts with the betrayal word on the night that he was betrayed. It includes the broken word, my body broken for you. It is surrounded then and now by we disciples who live our lives with broken promises. After the meal, though, everything changes. These broken lives are broken open, and despair is turned in to joy. I guess you, they, those early disciples would say, and it, and it did surprise them what the Lord has done. I guess I would say, me too. You too. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation is given. And the invitation is to join in and join up and come along and say, me too. Count me into this dance of grace that we have with God, of surprise and thanksgiving. The hymn we sing is a hymn that speaks of this table, and this meal, and this communion fellowship. Let's stand together and sing.
Well, each time we gather, we bring all of our concerns and our joys that we might have, and I'll just name a few of those for you this morning. First, the joy, the great joy it is to, uh, to gather together at the church school hour and hear all the different presenters we have. My thanks to Dr. Jim Mahaffey for a wonderful presentation this morning. You gift us, and you bring all of us joy and laughter and great wisdom, so thank you. Um, wanted you to know that there's an opportunity to be part of our church's longstanding participation with Habitat for Humanity. There will be sign-up sheets in the narthex if you exit this way or in the table if you go out that exit. Be looking for that opportunity uh, in early August. Uh, the Pinnacle was uh, produced online last week. Uh, you should have an email if you've signed up for that. Uh, be looking for, if you haven't seen it already, the pictures from the Tolliver experience that we had last week. I think there were about 30 photographs that uh, Barbara Ashley and others helped compile and uh, a video. So I just wanted you to be aware of that and you'll see great joy in those pictures as well, as well as some laughter. Maybe an inside joke between James and I there. <laughs> Um, we, the concerns that we bring, of course, we've named in, in weeks past, but we lift up all the families that you know about, those who are still in the hospital recovery, uh, recovering, those who have been discharged, uh, those who are struggling with their different concerns. We continue our prayer for uh, the families in our church and the families that are affected uh, by family separation at the border as well. And we have another great joy uh, this morning. It's Dr. Erwin Ray who will be gracing us with... Uh, music at the piano this morning as we continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
At this time, we celebrate the service of Holy Communion. It is printed as the insert in your order of worship for us to read responsively. All people are invited to this table. Sometimes it is only by eating that you discover that you are hungry. So all are invited. The elements will be passed among the congregation. Please take the bread and then wait. We'll eat together, take the cup, and then we will drink together. And so, the peace of Christ be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven, who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving. Recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and in hope. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, this blood is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And please stand for prayer. All loving God, we have given thanks for having been refreshed at your table 
and among your people as we have celebrated the presence of Christ among us. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen. As we go into this week of memory and hope, we carry with us the prayer of that hymn we just sung, one that asks God not only to bless our nation, but all nations, not just our people, but all people. And with that, remember this, may the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this week and every week as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.